0: Podcasting from Phoenix, Arizona, the home of year round flip flops, the nation's largest city park, and Cactus League spring training. This is The Saver and The Spender, a weekly podcast about budgeting and money habits from both perspectives. And now, here are your hosts The Saver and financial coach, Kelsa Dickey, and her husband, The Spender, Michael Dickey. Welcome, everybody, to The Saver and The Spender Podcast, episode 21. Today, we have a very special episode where we're uh, talking with uh, Vanessa Shaw. And if you've never heard of Vanessa Shaw, you need to because she is an international business and success coach, wealth mentor, and inspirational speaker recognized as savvy and sophisticated, yet widely respected for her business brilliance. I just want to tell you some of the people and organizations she's been a business coach with because they're kind of staggering to me the World Economic Forum, KPMG, Oracle, the Global Fund, the London-based law firm Cameron McKenna, Sandler Training. Uh, she's also worked for the United Nations in Geneva and held multiple senior leadership roles within the International Coach Federation at both the Swiss and global levels. Uh, she's a highly accredited business and executive coach who has dedicated years to her own professional and personal development. So I just want to welcome Vanessa to the podcast. Thanks, Vanessa.
1: Oh, Lovely to be here, Michael.
0: So, I, for t- t- I gave you a little bit of a bio, but why don't you tell us more about um, your your experience in your life and what brought you to where you are today?
1: Yeah, it's a great question actually, because um, it's kind of you know it was almost a blast from the past. Like listening to some of those you know companies that I used to work with, I was listening and going, "Wow, you know, yeah, that feels like that was you know, quite quite a long time ago now." And a lot of honesty, what got me into this business of, of what I'm teaching today was really my own mess of uh, very closely, sub- nearly sabotaging my own success. I, you know, I'd landed a good contract very early on in my own sort of career as a coach, a nice six figure deal, uh, kept that going for a few years. And then you know, as changes happened within a big organization, I lost that contract and found myself nearly going bankrupt. And uh, it was a, you know, a very humbling moment. You know, Michael, as, as you know in business, we you know we. I- I don't think we ever set out to, you know, sort of self-sabotage, but some of us can, you know, find ourselves on that journey. And so I found out that, you know, on the one hand, I discovered this quite dysfunctional relationship that I had with money that meant that I hadn't been looking at the numbers and everything. And I'm sure we're going to dig into that later. Mm -hmm. But it also meant that I also realized on the other hand that because I, you know, put all of my eggs in one basket with this massive contract, I actually really didn't know what it took to grow a business. So back then I wouldn't have even used the term business coach. I really was officially like an an executive coach uh, back in back in Europe. But it led me to this journey of really having to think about, okay, how does one build a business? How do you get a book of clients? You know, How do you, you, know, you market sales, look after the operations, and all those different aspects of business? And it was having to learn the money side of things and the business side of things for myself mm. that really led me into the business that we're in today because... Back then, I thought it was only me. That, you know, I hadn't figured things out, and then I discovered this whole world of small business owners that really needed help figuring a few things out as well. And I'd started to crack, uh, not crack the code fully, because I don't. I'm not sure that we ever fully crack the code. It's always a process. But I'd certainly learned uh, plenty to be able to help others with.
0: Great. Well, why don't you dive in deeper a little bit about what? What a, a business coach specifically does for small business owners.
1: Yeah, and it's different. I'm, I'm seeing we've got my cat here that's kind of wandering in. <laughs> now. He likes the
0: money. It's almost we'll Halloween.
1: See. <laughs> I know. Right? We'll, see, we'll see how he hangs around here for um it really depends you know we work very holistically as a, as a business coach I'm looking at the the person that I'm working with the person who's the leader the CEO of their business I'm looking at you know how they might be getting in their way how they need to step up you know play a bigger game but then we're also looking strategically at the business you know what are their goals how do they want to grow uh, what does growth even look like depending on the level that they're starting from mm. so when we're working with business owners we really look at you know in fact nine key elements exist within our boutique business model that we're helping people through so as I say that can be their own leadership to client attraction to the financials to marketing to sales to delivery to you know premium client experience and you know building a team so there's a there's an awful lot and as you know that Michael for yourself there's a lot that goes into business um, some other business coaches, and again, I can't speak for the whole world of business out there, but I know that it's rare to find business coaches that work quite this holistically. A lot of business coaches focus on one thing. It might be that they're really focused on the marketing aspect, or the whole vision part, or mindset, or you know, sales. Oftentimes, they tend to have you know, like one slice of the pie that they're working with and i just felt like there were too many interlocking pieces which is why we had to create this sort of holistic integrated business model that we help our
0: clients with absolutely and you know we we have been working with you for what a year maybe and and we've just seen some amazing transformations and no and just going through your process it's amazing what we you know you think you have a handle on as a small business owner and then there's like you said there's nine whole uh different areas that you work on that is so important to have that complete nine not just one really strong two or three and you can't limp through it's 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 amazing kind of what the what you've coached us through and to
1: thank you yeah and again and it's always evolving as well I mean you've seen that you know from the Mm -hmm. the place where you came into the program and you've had this massive you know growth and transformation information but it's constantly evolving and as you say once we get to that next level instead of sort of sitting back thinking oh I've got it all figured out right there's nothing left to change in my mindset now we're just going to coast it's like no you know if we're looking to you know the position that you're in now that lovely position of looking to scale and, and create leverage in the business that's a very different mindset and new skills that have to be have to be built compared to when we're in the early stages and we're the solo practitioner that's, you know, we've, we've all been there, right? We're making the cups of coffee. We're doing the sales. We're delivering. (laughs) We're sending out the invoices, you know, we're doing everything. So it's, I mean, that's what I love about business because it is, always changing and evolving. And we have to constantly evolve, evolve ourselves and our business model so that we can keep up. I mean, keep everything fresh and and innovating the whole time.
0: Yes. And it's never. there's never a wrong place to jump in, right? You can be, like you said, that solopreneur that's working too hard or that really successful solopreneur, but uh, uh, that has a team with you uh, or an entrepreneur, I should say at that point, but still there's Always a place where you can improve with, uh, especially with oh, nine nice. your nine uh, boutique business models. Yeah, it's great. Totally. What What are the? Do you, are there three? Do you have three like mistakes that most small business owners make, or are there the top three that you see most
1: of? Only three. <laughs> <laughs> about and by the way, I always say like most of the, most of these mistakes are ones that I committed myself, right? So I'll, I'll sort of I'll own that. Oh, gosh. Um, that 's a really great question. I think honestly, um, probably even starting out too slowly, I think it is a real mistake and I look at you know the way some people like some businesses are limping along, and they often think that they 've got to have so many pieces perfect right so many so many pieces perfect and lined up that like they 've got to know all their service offerings or all of their products. They've got to have all of their marketing message like completely crystal clear, or their website, or their collateral, or whatever that might be, before they're you know like seriously looking at growing their business. And you know what happens there is they're growing the business or not growing the business that they're going to run out of energy, they're going to run out of momentum, and often that you know trying to perfect everything is going to be you know to the detriment of cash flow and like real work in the business. So, you know, in fact, I was just at a conference recently and there were a lot of people talking about getting investment. I mean, and we're talking, you know, multi, multi-million dollar companies, mm. you know, lots and lots of money, not just a, a quick little small business loan. Yeah. And, you know, it, it became obvious as well side of that conversation that a lot of small businesses are even, you know, seeking funding and capital and loans and everything at an early stage and avoiding what they should be doing, mm. right? Which is at grassroots, like roll your sleeves up, do the work at the early stage and start to really figure things out and, and do that as quickly as possible so that you can kind of like jump. You can't, you can't avoid the learning curve, but you can choose to go through it a lot quicker in those early phases. So I'd say that's one big mistake. Um, I work with a lot of service-based businesses where people are really trading a lot of their, their knowledge and their ex- expertise. I mean, that kind of is the product and it is the service that they're offering. And um, The massive, massive mistake that I see, and I have to say, I probably see it in like, I would almost hazard a guess of nine, hazard a guess, uh, an educated guess at this point, mm-hmm. and probably 98% of time. Uh, seriously undervaluing themselves and undercharging for their services. Mm -hmm. And what that can look like is they're stuck in this, you know, trading time for money rut. They've got hourly rates. They've possibly looked at other people similar to them, you know, in business. Perhaps they're even undercutting or charging similar. And they don't realize that they could be comparing themselves to businesses that are frankly Going out of business, and it's like they've built their whole sort of model uh, on a very unhealthy foundation. So I would say that's the you know second piece. Mm -hmm. Um, Then the other mistake I I really see a lot is going to be around the financials. Um, Now I happen to work with a lot of women as well, so there are some distinctions. Uh, when we 're working with women in business compared to men um, however again i 've still seen this a lot across the board um, and, and frankly, I wish a lesson i 'd learned earlier on myself, I could have possibly saved myself some heartache in those earlier days, but like not not looking at the numbers, you know really not looking at the numbers even from a perspective of like, what are their initial financial goals that they really should be setting? Like to cover their expenses, to you know meet some of their goals, to keep the lights on. I mean, I'm not talking about buying a new Mercedes, right? I'm talking about some of the basics, right? Getting those things covered, setting those goals, knowing their numbers, and then tracking them. Because I see a lot of people that like head in the sand approach. Um, and, again, I was asking a question. I was speaking, um, actually, at a, a client's event on Friday, somebody that you know as well. I think was, you and I were speaking at this, or Kelsa was, your, mm-hmm. your beloved wife. We were speaking yeah. at the same event. And, um, you know, I even asked them, like, I mean, you, when people ask you, how, how, how well are you doing your business or how's business going? You know, what do you answer? And everybody sort of went, oh, great, busy, crazy. And I said, yeah, right, but what do we really mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, when we say that? Yeah. And what if you were to ask how healthy is your business? You know, now how would you respond? And that health of the business comes back down to, you know, the financials, which, of course, is determined by how many clients you're working with and your price points and your service offers and everything. So not having, you know, getting a, an eye on that in very early stages means we're, we're running that business blind. You know, it's valuable information. Um, and as I say, business owners need to A, of course, be passionate, but realize that passion alone does, you know, it does, it's never actually paid the bills. So it's like let's let's have that passion grounded and let's just start to get real about some of those numbers in the business.
0: Absolutely. You know, it's it's amazing how many small business owners that we see that they come in and they they commingle their personal and business finances they're not paying themselves um, they're just winging it and it's so important that you you take that step to to make you know separate the business and personal side but actually look at those numbers and um and and hit those goals and and reach those goals because it's like you said you're they're going it, blind or, you know, the blind leading the blind to get those finances working right. And if you don't know what you're not, what you're looking at, then you're just winging it. So I love that. And the other thing I was going to say is that if you weren't going to bring it up, I was, but undervaluing is exactly what we were doing before we, we saw you. Um, And it's, it was so hard for us to uh, and we'll talk about this later, but it was a big money block for us for b- why we weren't valuing ourselves and specifically kelsa um mm-hmm. but you know those money blocks are huge um yeah i when we were um at uh a last event with you when I was there at your a b i we spoke on finances and and I think you got a an idea of. I you know you already know where everybody's finances were in our in our group. But mm-hmm. do you think that having a system um, is really important for people to to get their finances in, in order? Or what's? Oh,
1: yeah. Yes. 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 Like yes and why? Yes. Yes. You know? Yes. 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 I mean, and again, a simple system, right? It's what I love about the work that you guys do. There's It's not at the end of the day. It's not rocket science. It's right. beautiful common sense but that doesn't make it common practice as we all know and yes if we haven't got things you know I mean even down to you know having regular payments being automated so that they're paid on time so that we're not getting late fees or you know getting certain things cut off or whatever that might be I mean that's a system we can set up the system for that as you say having systems that where we can track What's going where? Obviously, not commingling, especially when we're in business for ourselves. We've got to be able to see that clear picture. Mm. And what I loved about what Kelsa was teaching in our particular event that day, she was, I can't remember the term that she used now, but it was almost like you were going to make this thing so boring because you've yeah. made it so easy that it just is one of those things that's going to happen. So, and that's the joy of a system, right? Is mm. it really you it's just running in the background it, of course it takes some time and effort to set it up but the whole point then is afterwards you're freeing yourself up and I'm, I'm all for freeing up energy whether it's emotional energy or mental energies particularly when we're in business for ourselves we need more energy I think most of us would would want to have more energy rather than less and so once we've got that system it's like we can lean back mm-hmm. into it right? and it does that heavy lifting for us exactly but, and that's what I love about that. So, you and, know, and, and again, I realized as well, I, I, I was never actually a real systems thinker. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think a lot of people aren't. I'm far more on the creative side of things, you know, far more sort of relationships rather than systems. I mean, these tend to be like thinking styles that people have. And so for me, for a long time, you know, I would resist systems mm. um, because it was almost like I wanted, you're probably surprised now because it's yeah, such a yeah. different, I mean our our business has got so many systems yeah. to it and we're, we're taking that constantly to the next level. But in fact in the earlier days I wanted to be more organic and free-flowing and I had a mindset that systems were going to be con- almost constraining And what I came to realize is that systems really liberate us. Systems Mm -hmm. create, funnily enough, more freedom and flexibility than not having them. Because as you say, especially around money, there'll be a lot of stresses. There'll be those surprises that we really don't want to have, Mm. all those preoccupations. So I'm a massive advocate for systems and not complicated ones. I mean, simple that you know even a nine-year-old could work their
0: way around exactly it should be simple and easy and as you know we, we like to say your budget should be as quick as a glance mm-hmm. when your paycheck comes in pay your bills quick as a glance you're done exactly. you know it's and that's and it like you said it does the heavy lifting for you um and then it's it gets to the point of of boring but fun at the same time because your money should be fun Right? It should, be, should to be to reach your goals, to to help where you want to help, but then to have fun on top of that. So it should be simple, I love that. Um, <laughs> my next question, we actually kind of talked about a little bit, but there are a lot of small business owners that are severely undercharging. Why do you think that is and what do they have to work on to, to charge what they're worth?
1: Gosh, great question. Uh, and it's a massive question. I think there's, there's multiple reasons and depending on kind of what their service is, you know, why they might be undercharging. Um, there's a lot of inherently, and now people that have got an expertise or knowledge base that they're sort of, you know, that is the service. Oftentimes that under, you know, the undercharging is really a deeper problem that they're undervaluing themselves and mm. everything they're bringing to the table. And it's reflected in in their fees, and, you know, they may have some excuses on the surface level that sound like, well, I won't be able to get people to pay for my fees or people can't afford this if I were to charge more. But if we were to really dig down, it's more that they're not valuing themselves. Perhaps they take their expertise for granted. They don't see themselves as the experts. Um, You know, a bit like yourselves, right? I can, again, use you as a great example because that's something that we worked around. You built this amazing system and, you know, so many great things there. And for me, coming from the outside, as your business coach, I was able to say, guys, you've no idea as to how valuable this really is and how many people really need this amazing thing that you've built, right? So I come in from the outside and it's like, oh my gosh, and I think I said to you at the time, you are sitting on a gold mine yes. a, a real gold mine of opportunity and i remember remember the day that i said that but again sometimes when we're just so close to it we you know we can undervalue it um and what, what also comes natural to us, or some, perhaps it doesn't even come naturally, but we've just built it up over years. So now we are in that place of it feels more, you know, as a natural gift.
0: We have to realize that
1: that's, it's not natural for other people. So that thing that we find relatively easy is hugely valuable to somebody else that's struggling with it, right? Which is where, you know, we've can we we've got room for growth for, you know, child. More. But I think the other big area where people are undercharging is to say they're looking at the wrong models, in my opinion, to even set their prices in the first place. Hmm. So a lot of people have been trained in, especially the sort of consultants, coaches, experts, they've been trained in this idea of an hourly rate. They probably start to compare themselves to you know other similar service providers. They don't want to outprice the market because they get scared that, you know, perhaps they'll move themselves to the top of the market, you know, and they'll kind of be okay with that. But, oh my gosh, but I don't want to go beyond it because then nobody will pay and why would they come to me? They'll They'll go to somebody else, right? Yeah. And again, a lot of that is very unhealthy comparisons because you've no idea how somebody else has set up their business model. Mm-hmm. And if we also look at the statistics of failing businesses and businesses that go broke and literally have to you know, close their doors, we need to be very selective about the business models that we are you know, looking to for inspiration. So I think there's a big fear around, you know, will will I be able to command those fees? Uh, will I lose clients? You know, and oftentimes I'm sure you've probably seen this as well. I'm often saying to people, you, "You're not making the money that you think you are already. If we really look at your numbers in a in a grounded, objective way." You're really not doing as well as you would like, you know, think you are or you'd like to be. So, we have to be able to change something, and trying to do more of what you're doing that's not working is never going to get you to the outcome, right, that you want. Right. So, there's so many factors that come into play, but it can be really interesting, you know, when we work with people at times. I mean, we often help them repackage their services so it actually gets them out of the that sort of hourly model where possible because there's some industries that we work with you know like a lot of attorneys that we are working with that you know hourly model but then we will you know keep sort of you know pushing up their fees when they've really got the demand in their business and it's always interesting to see how you know mindset can kick in at a certain point and people start to go oh my gosh i couldn't like really you really think we could go that high or do you really think people would pay for this um we've just got a lot of experience with with doing that now that we can say you know hey are you willing to experiment you know can you at least be open to experimenting and then we can look at this more objectively
0: definitely i know that's the the value thing was huge for us and um, it, it was it was definitely mindset, I think, for us, and you can tell me if you disagree with that, but it was, you know, I remember Kelsa saying, and we were at um, your Big Bold event, and Kelsa said that she didn't want to lose clients.
1: That's right.
0: And the clients that we wanted to keep would stay with us no matter what we charged Mm -hmm. because they saw our value. It's just that we couldn't see it. And, and, and it was, it was hard to make that realization that man, people can um, you know, would really still pay what we, what we should be valued and what we are worth. So it's, it's a great feeling when you get to that point where you can see that from the outside and, and have somebody show that to you.
1: And sometimes it's like, as you say, in your case, it's a perfect example. A lot of people do get concerned about losing clients. But again, when, and there's two pieces to that, sometimes we can run the numbers and say, listen, the reality is we can push up those fees. You could be working with less clients and actually earning more money. Mm -hmm. And now you're freeing up time, which again, I know is one of the big things that we worked on for you guys because you were just so back to back. But equally so, the other piece, and that's often linked to this undervaluing, you know, the undercharging for our own services, is I see that a lot, that people aren't going for the ideal clients that they really should be serving. Mm-hmm. And that's how it shows up as well. They're, they're going for the clients that they, you know, they know they can get, that feel very safe. Mm-hmm. And, and they really need to raise their game and work with, you know, yeah, perhaps it's more, you know, some more complex cases, some more challenging i don't mean challenging in a negative way but you know where they're going to really learn and grow and be able to show demonstrate their expertise as opposed to kind of working with clients where you might might feel like you can work with them blindfolded but after a while you're going to just you're going to get bored if it's you know if your business model is built on your own expertise you know most of us that are experts want to know that we're continually growing inside of that expertise
0: right Absolutely. So um, I want to know, we kind of talked about money blocks just a little bit. Are there money blocks that you see uh, small business owners have?
1: Yeah, gosh. And there are so many, you know, I was thinking about this before we went live today. And again, a lot of these I'm going to speak, you know, from my from my personal experience as well, sure. because I certainly had massive money blocks. That's why, um, you know, I've nearly found myself heading out of business and, you know, heading to bankruptcy. But, you know, I realized that there were these beliefs, money beliefs that were very, very unconscious that I'd grown up with. Um, and well, beliefs and let's say beliefs and emotions because money is such an emotional subject for people. they And they have an emotional reaction to it, whether they're aware of it or not. And I realized that, you know, growing up. I'd be, my parents divorced when I was very young. I think I was about 11 when they divorced. And I think my father finally left when I was around 12. And all I remember, Michael, prior to them divorcing, were arguments around money. Mm. And it was just... That's what I grew up in. And it was the stress of my mother trying to budget, balance the books. You know, she had four kids. She was very responsible, um, you know, frugal because she had to be. I mean, they didn't have a lot of money. And my father was very careless with money. And he would just go out and spend it and wasn't thinking about the bigger picture. And she's got, you know, she was a step-home mom with four kids to, to feed and clothe. And so... Those arguments I grew up, you know, I grew up inside of. And so for me, everything was negative around money. It was like, well, my parents are fighting over it, they're divorcing over it. You know, I would see the stress uh, with my poor mum trying to deal with it as well. So for me, that what that meant is that emotionally I really wanted to avoid it. I I just saw it as something negative. And so years later, what happens is when we haven't become aware of a pattern, we're unconsciously still, you know, kind of repeating the same behaviors that were helpful to us back then. Mm. But now it's showing up in business and it's not helpful. So I was avoiding looking at the numbers in my business. You know, I didn't want to look at things. I didn't want to look at budgets and, you know, I would let, you know, things pile up and it kind of scared me. So that was a, that was a sort of big emotional block, But then as well, there were beliefs that were, you know, that sort of kept these emotional blocks in place. So um, one belief I remember growing, you know, again, I would hear my mother saying when we we were talking about people that had more money, was she would refer to us as, you know, people like us don't make that kind Mm -hmm. of money. And it was this whole them and us as if, as if, you know, this has been decided early on in life, you know, that you've got a dollar amount and it would have been pounds, by the way, because I grew up in England, but, you know, back then as if there was like a pound amount stamped on our heads coming into this world saying that's the amount you're going to be making for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that. I mean, I had no question to question it, right? Yeah. So... It was later on in life that I really had to start to look at that. Um, you know, other money blocks that I had about, again, being a woman in business is that I realized unconsciously I had a real belief that women never earn more money than their husbands. I mean, you know, Robert, my husband's been very aware of that for years. He's like, hey, bring it. I have no problem. But it was my money, my money block and it went very deep and there was no evidence in my family of a woman ever earning more money than her husband. Huh. So, it, you know, the whole pattern was there. But, I mean, I've written, you know, I mean, there are examples here that I see the whole time. You know, a lot of people believe it's not spiritual to make money. Mm-hmm. You know, they can't, they can't be a spiritual person and do great work in the world and, like, have wealth. They just see them as two, you know, mutually opposing things. Mm-hmm. Um, And again, I have a different, very different belief set around that is I think, you know, when we have, let's just say greater ease, right? I'm not talking about having to be the richest person in, in, you know, in town or whatever. But if there's greater ease around finances, we can be more generous. We can, you know, contribute to those causes, churches, communities, associations, like charities that are close to our hearts. And I I believe that that is a spiritual expression because that's our place where we could contribute in a bigger way, Um, even as we hire a team, as you know that, you know, you're building a business, we start to provide income for other families and jobs for other people. I really feel that that's me, you know, a a bigger spiritual version of myself, you know, growing and again, making that bigger contribution in the world. Uh, That's a big one. Uh, There's a lot around, I've got my whole list here so we could go on forever, but you know, a whole load around sort of what will others think of me? You know, this concerns that if I have more money at some level, people will think I'm greedy, selfish, shallow, you know, just in it for the money. And so there's these real concerns about what other people will think. And I know for some people, it's a very unconscious belief around who they would become if they had more money, their own fears around, you know, oh, you know, I could become that, you know, self-serving, arrogant person or, you know, the person that they know that has a lot of money that they probably don't like. They, you know, they they get concerned that they're going to become like that person. And again, my, you know, again, my experience with that as well now with all these years of working with people and being around greater wealth as well Mm -hmm. is that, having more money just makes you more of who you already are. Yes. So if you're, you know, if you're a generous, kind, compassionate person, it will enable you to be more of that. But if you've, you know, sorry, but if you've already been a pretty unpleasant person to begin with, yeah, go figure, you probably do want to do some work on yourself because it's going to be a magnifier, right, for those unhealthy aspects. Um, and then I think, you know, again, this was one of mine, um, I see this a lot with women as well as the, just the even not good at numbers, you know, these these beliefs around kind of not the money per se, but it's the, like the pieces around money. Well, I was never good at math. I'm not good at numbers. I don't understand it. It's like this it's mysterious thing. And the truth is, I really wasn't very good at math. You know, my 16-year-old, you know, our daughter, Olivia, she is a whiz at algebra. Uh, I mean, I just look at it and it's like Chinese to me. (laughs) You know, I I just cannot help you because I really, really, really just don't get this. Mm -hmm. And she's a whiz at it. The truth is, I wasn't. I really struggled. I mean, it was just I did as much as I could just, like, pass But again, when we come back to managing our personal finances or business, it's not complex algebra, right? It's, It's basic math. It's adding and subtracting and division and multiplying. And I realized that I was good at those things. And, you know, again, it's not rocket science. Absolutely not we can get our head around them so you know and even the fact that I you know on an interview like this I can say I'm good at those things rather than saying hey I'm no good at numbers I'm going to claim that I can do this right which is a far more empowering mindset of course as my business evolves there are a whole load of new terms that I now have to learn inside of the the financial aspect of our business it's getting a lot more complex but now I see that as a skill, Michael, that I'm developing yeah. and I've got experts and resources right that I can go to for help with that rather than this, oh my gosh, like I'm no good at that. So like let, me, let me avoid it and put my head in the sand.
0: Yes. And we've always said that money is a skill and some people, you know, just like sports or, uh, other things, some people are born with a national natural gift for it, but it's, it's a skill that you can definitely develop and it doesn't have to be algebra or rocket science. It's simple addition and subtraction and, um, um, just knowing, keeping, getting organized, staying organized. Um, and it's, it's as simple as that. Um, you know, we, I don't know if I ever told you this, and but my money block that I actually just realized in the past couple months was that my um it's very parallel to yours, that my my dad was a teacher in Michigan. So you know how poorly teachers are paid, especially in the wow. 80s. Um, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom for the most part when she wasn't a teacher. Mm-hmm. And so I I only ever thought she could make, like ever knew the maximum amount you can make was Thirty or you know forty thousand dollars, whatever a teacher's salary is, but mm-hmm. there was always that at Christmas time we would drive around the rich neighborhoods houses and look at them at Christmas, and that was yeah. something that we always would never have um, because I just didn't know any different than what I was brought up with. So finally, I realized that I said, you know what, I I need to allow myself to be successful and make what what we're worth and what I'm worth, and that that was a huge turning point for me and Kelsa's recently too her second big money block that she broke through was that she didn't want to make a lot of money subconsciously because she didn't want our daughter to grow up to be spoiled rich kid which um is like you said it's money is going to make you more of what you are um and what your beliefs are and you know you should put your money towards your beliefs and it's a really good thing, so
1: so interesting, though, isn't it? I mean, to be then, I think, so mindful of you know, as, as I say, you're in this work, world of work, so am I, this body of work, is then so mindful of the messages that we do pass on to our children. Um, because it, as you say, like growing up, and I remember you know, going around bigger neighborhoods and things like that. I mean, you kind of look back on that and I think, how crazy, like, why would we do that? To, like, why would we do that to kids? It's, yeah. Thankfully that they did, because it probably sowed a seed, you know, a seed of desire somewhere deep within us, right? But I'm being very conscious with my own children, you know, around some of the things, the conversations that we do have around money, you know, trying to talk about it in a very objective way. You know, of course, they do see, you know, we have our own business, we work hard, there's no illusions. I mean, they're not sitting back thinking that it's this miraculous Thing that kind of happens in their life um, and they've experienced as well the transitions you know as our business has grown you know they know that it's afforded us different opportunities more travel you know a different house and you know greater ease in lifestyle but we've been very transparent with that along the way so that you know a entitlement is just it's like a red flag for me um and so you know again that's something i don't want to you know breed in my own children, but so that they do you know that they can still see the value of you know I do believe in good old fashioned hard work i I do you know really doing their work, developing your craft, becoming an expert and a master you know in your field, I like believe in healthy relationships and treating people with respect and integrity. Mm-hmm. um and that if you're putting out great work into the world you know you can also be valued for that and part of the value that we receive right is in is in the income you know as well that we can experience but those are lessons that I want to be really conscious of teaching our children and I think a lot of people even are even you know kind of going off on a sidetrack here but I think sometimes people are surprised because they all say to me well what sort of allowance do your kids have or how much pocket money do you give them I don't
0: yeah
1: I, I don't you know, I was like, I was like, why do they have a right to, you know, I'm working and like, I'm just going to hand out cash. No, you go earn it, you know, yeah. yeah. My daughter's just got her first, you know, her first job that she's super excited with it's her first job sort of outside because she's done babysitting for years. Our son works hard, you know, in a, in a restaurant, in a local country club. And I was like, you want those things, you go and see that you can create them for yourself. You know, not that you're going to
0: depend on somebody else for handouts. Absolutely. And that's one thing that in the past maybe 20 or 30 years that I think we have as a society have gotten out of the habit of, of, of teaching the value of hard work mm. uh, and earning your money. Um, and like you said, there's so much entitlement. And, we, you know, we had a, a young person come in with a Starbucks and she came in for an appointment and her parents, t- our uh, clients as well. And they paid for her session to come in and kind of get, get the basics of a budget and learn, a, you know, what a young adult should know about finances. And um, our receptionist said, oh, how much was that Starbucks? Is that? And she says, uh, oh, it's free. She said, free? Oh, do you know the barista or something? She said, no, uh, my mom loads my card. And right. we we're like, oh, I'm glad you're here because it's, uh, it's such a bad situation to be in because that's, I mean, it's it's a lesson. It's a skill that has to be taught.
1: Exactly. And, exactly, and again, we just, you know, it's like, oh, there's a piece of plastic and like magically money goes on there. And then we don't understand the mechanism, you know, through how money gets on there exactly and I and I do agree and there's a lot of you know and again we were sensitive to this as I say particularly as the business you know started to evolve and there was you know some you know greater ease on certain things is of course as parents we often do want to give our you know kids better experiences right we want often and I've certainly you know known that for myself it's like there's certain things I want my daughter to have that you know she like to have, but I wasn't able to, and but still tempering it with okay, yes, there are going to be some niceties that they will be able to benefit from, but let's keep it like feet firmly planted on the ground as well.
0: Exactly, have to have to work to get the benefit, but yeah, it's that's great. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite success story of, of uh, some clients you worked with that have just been OMG? OMG. <laughs> <laughs> There's so
1: many, you know, I mean, we love, I, mean I, I tell you what, it kind of, you know, it's like we love your story, you know, the fact that, you know, you've been able to, you know, leave your job, come into the business, you know, you've got a great business now, your family's growing and serving more people. I mean, it's the kind of the real stories like that, that, we, that I read that are close to my own heart, because it's, I know that we're really impacting people's mm-hmm. lives. I did have a client last last year that actually did say to me, they took me aside and said, you know, this will be our best Christmas ever. Christmas has been so stressful. Uh, We haven't been able to enjoy it. You know, we've been like just looking at Christmas and looking back over the year and so frustrated. Um, So that's not an OMG kind of a story. It's a, you know, it's really, you know, wonderful, you know, just human story, right? Where it gets real But we've had a few this year, actually, some really big ones where, um, you know, somebody that we're working with as well, you know, pretty big here in our community, you know, asked one key question uh, around what was she tolerating in her business, you know, when she she was getting so frustrated with certain things. And when she answered that question, uh, she realized that she had some major changes to make and she put a financial amount to the cost of her tolerations. Because that's often an exercise. You probably might remember that from the big I old do. event. So like, what are you? And it's a great exercise for everybody to go through regularly. You know, what are you tolerating? What's the excuse that you give for tolerating it? And really, what's the cost to you? You know, sort of like mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and financially. And this particular thing, she put a financial uh, cost to it, and just said it was costing her a million dollars. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. We've, you know, people do come up with big numbers. It's not the first time that we've heard people use big numbers. But then to actually take that, she joined one of our programs and that million dollars is now in her business. Really? Really? So that I mean is a really mind blowing one that she really has taken that we've been able to integrate, make some changes, and as I say, it's the the million dollars that she could mentally see as a cost is now in the business, and then we've you know we've just had some again you know the, the money stories I do find personally rewarding because they are real measures. I mean it's lovely when people are you know, growing in confidence, you know, they can see people leaning into them more as a business, but ultimately as a business, you know, for the business to be healthy, it needs income. Right? I mean, that's the, the nourishment that a business needs. Yes. And so we've had numerous stories again this year where, um, well, one again, but somebody that you know, she, uh, um, Kelly, I mean, she's absolutely, I think, doubled and tripled her revenue as a young lawyer and was nominated young attorney of the year in the whole state of Colorado this year. So, you know, those, they give me goosebumps because it's like, they're just like amazing, amazing business owners and, you know, that are coming into their own, but the results are real, right? It's not the imagination. You know, their, their associations are rewarding them. The clients are showing up there. And then it's, for me, it's the knock-on effect of the money. I mean, the money, of course, is a real metric, but it's then what does that enable that business owner to do? And in those, just those are a couple of examples they they 're employing people you know they 're giving jobs to people they 're you know creating those opportunities for other people they 're working with more suppliers you know, they're, mm-hmm. you know some of them are, are, are you know con- contributing more again to those sort of ch- charities and causes that are really near and dear to them. So that's where that money metric is important for me because it's what what becomes possible from a generosity standpoint when that's really coming into the business. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love to hear, like when people go, oh my gosh, you know, I'm employing somebody, I'm employing somebody again, you know, and they're, they're building their teams and it's like now it's a real business. And so that's yeah. so exciting.
0: That's so amazing. I think it's, you know, there are a lot of business coaches out there that they are the six-figure business coaches, or the seven-figure business coaches. And what I think most, and I'm speaking for, for myself, but what most biz, small business owners, they don't necessarily need or see themselves wanting to make tons and tons of money, but they want the time with their family. Mm. They want to work smarter, not harder. Um, they want to to be able to work and, and run their business so that they're not missing what they, what they hold valuable to them. I um, and I think that's what has really has shown through with your work with us is that the the time that we can spend with our family and our daughter and my wife that we didn't have before that's just amazing um so if if i haven't said it enough we really appreciate what you've done with us
1: thank Um, you and it's interesting though that you say that about money because you know i agree with you it's not it's not always the money per se right but it's what opens up as a result and we know that when people come into our world they're looking for one of three things you know more income more impact or more freedom so you know that they need that you know they want more revenue or the impact could be there you know they just want to serve more people whether that's building their their own teams or more clients in the world and then as you rightfully said it's that you know freedom and it's not the freedom of sitting on a beach with a laptop you know this Mm -hmm. sort of kitsch images that you know we we see all over the internet but as you say it's the you know time off to go and take your daughter to the park or you know have a spa day have a fun day I mean family stuff Mm -hmm. you know for me I'm having to fly back to the UK next week to be with my mother, you know, for the funeral of my stepfather. And that's, that is so important. You know, I'm so grateful. I said that just to Robert this morning, and this is my second trip back in just a few weeks. Mm -hmm. It's a long way, but I said to Robert, I am so grateful that we've got a business that supports me to be able to do those things because... That's what is most important for me right now and highly valuable. That is my version of freedom right now, right? To be there for my family when they need me.
0: Yes. Being separated by that much water, you got to have, you know, that freedom of of, uh, time is so valuable to you. Absolutely
1: absolutely i've got to get on a plane and like go go quite a ways <laughs>
0: yeah it's not an hour drive that's for sure <laughs>
1: not an hour's drive no days it would be easier if it were but yeah. it's not in my case <laughs>
0: yes well hey before you wrap up here i know we, we need to get going but really you have an awesome event coming up here pretty soon why don't you tell us about it
1: yeah thank you we have our a big, bold event coming up. It's in November, the night to the 11th of uh, November at the wonderful Canby Hotel. It's a gorgeous boutique hotel in Phoenix. And, of course, it's the event that we met at last year. Yes. Where we really go through those nine different aspects of the business model, and we give you know we transform your mindset. We really transform your relationship with money. We really show you what's absolutely possible for your business. And again, not based on theory, based on real practice, real evidence, and real experience. And uh, plus the fact that at the big bold event, there's going to be you know 100 plus entrepreneurs there, so it's a an amazing networking event as well for people to really build some great relationships so if that's speaking to your audience Michael you know we've given you a super duper special deal for your audience so that you can actually you know share with them how to actually come and save some money since you're the financial experts we figured, we figured you'd love to be able to give them a great way to actually say absolutely some money. Exactly. So that uh, you can share that later with with your audience. But yes, we'd love to, you know, really build a community there of people that are stepping up, serving the world in in more impactful ways, and being able to give back to their their families, their loved ones, and their communities through their business.
0: Absolutely. And I must tell you from personal experience, the amount of value that you get, and it's three days, and it is three intense days. It's not, um, you know, just a, a quick seminar where you're where you're going over the basics. It's you get, you dive in deep. Um, And it was so valuable to us that we could have walked away and said, this was enough for us to work on a lot of stuff in our business for a long time. But Mm -hmm. the value that we saw in uh, what you were telling us, but in you was, was worth it to us to, to, to go work with you because it's just been such a valuable more than we could ever imagine. So,
1: wow. um, I'm so, I'm so delighted to have had you with clients. So that yes. guys, it's just It's just the win, 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 right?
0: Absolutely. <laughs> really? So, um, if you're, you know, a small business owner, it's in, um, in Phoenix at the Canby, uh, November over the dates again, 9th through the 11th Night through the 11th. Um, uh, and then I will share the, uh, the link here for everybody. Um, to go get registered but it's completely worth your time if you're a small business owner and uh, we hope to see you there so vanessa shaw at and so we can they can look you up at vanessashaw.com right?
1: vanessashaw.com as well a website there if people want to you know sign up for whatever freebie we've got going at the moment we've always got numerous things on the go but that's just a great way to get lots of free resources and inspiration to build the business and then for the event it's com.
0: Perfect. All right, Vanessa, thank you so much for your time and we'll see you soon.
1: Always a pleasure. Take care now.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Saver and The Spender. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, www.fiscalfitnessaz.com to your family, friends, and colleagues. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at I Am Fiscally Fit, and on Facebook at Fiscal Fitness PHX. Join us next time for another edition of The Saver and The Spender.